Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we reflect on the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations with its highs and lows. And we ask if it was the most exciting edition of the tournament ever, with Senegal taking their first title with numerous upsets and, very sadly, a stadium tragedy. Also, we look at Al Ahly's strong showing at the FIFA Club World Cup, and lots on the English Premier League as West Ham's Kurt Zuma is involved in controversy for kicking his cat. That's coming up later, but it's Senegal who are the champions of Africa for the first time after beating Egypt in the Africa Cup of Nations final in Cameroon last Sunday. They were the sentimental favourites as they beat the seven-time champions, who had a tough tournament as all four of their knockout games went to extra time. Senegal's president Macky Sall declared a public holiday for celebrations and rewarded the players handsomely. And in this clip, Zimbabwe's ambassador to Senegal, James Maridadi, describes the scenes in Dakar after the game. This is Dakar, Senegal. There's jubilations on the streets of Dakar. Senegal have done it at last. They've put their hands on the Africa Cup of Nations. Everyone is out on the streets, rejoicing and jubilating. Beautiful, they are beautiful scenes. Even ambulances that are going to hospital are blazing their sirens. Police that are supposed to be maintaining order have forgotten about their duties and they are blazing their sirens. There's joy and joy and joy in Senegal. And that was only the start of the celebrations in Senegal. That's James Maridadi, Zimbabwe's ambassador to Senegal. And of course, great disappointment for Egypt and for Mohamed Salah, their captain, who'd spoken of what it would mean to be the Afcon champions. Of course, it's very special to win a trophy with the country. I won. I won Champions League. Was great feeling. I won the Premier League after 30 years. The club's great feeling. I won in Switzerland. I won everywhere. And also, I want, I want to have that feeling that winning the first trophy with the country, uh, how special it will be. I'm sure it's going to be something very special. Um, again, I'm so excited for tomorrow and everybody's ready. So hopefully we, we win it tomorrow. So that national team success still lacking for Salah. Remember how long it took Lionel Messi to win the Copa America with Argentina. Well, so much to talk about with this Africa Cup of Nations. So exciting, some great football and many surprises along the way. Uh, but sadly, eight people were killed in a stampede ahead of one of the games, casting a big shadow over things. But we saw Ghana and Algeria going out at the group stage, Nigeria exiting at the round of 16, Comoros making it through to the knockout stage, Equatorial Guinea getting to the quarterfinals, and Sierra Leone nearly getting to the knockout stage as well. And the Gambia's thrilling debut appearance ended with a 2-0 loss to Cameroon in the quarterfinals. They've climbed 25 places now to 125 in the world. Uh, Senegal, by the way, up to a highest ever 18th in the FIFA rankings released on Thursday. We had women referees, we had VAR, we had the joint second highest top scorer ever with Vincent Aboubakar of Cameroon getting eight goals. 
We had games broadcast on Sky TV, a 2014 format that has many detractors but seemed to deliver this time. And it all came against a backdrop of doubts over whether the tournament could go ahead with COVID concerns and with pressure from European clubs to call it off. Uh, so much to talk about, Ida, and I'd want to say it was one of the best ever AFCONs, uh, but that stadium tragedy makes it a bit harder to say that. Steve, it cast a huge shadow on such a fantastic tournament. And it was interesting, you know, to see the football big heads at the final, uh, Fekafoot President Samuel Eto'o, FIFA President Gianni Infantino, all of them, you know, in Olembe. In what was the first match at the stadium after the tragedy? And look, I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that more could have been done. And I do hope it might be a long shot, but I genuinely do hope that now that the Afghan is done and dusted, that the survivors, along with those that died in that tragedy, won't be forgotten by the government of Cameroon. Steve, the truth is that the tournament started in one of the most boring ways possible, <laughs> at least according to me, and I do stand to be corrected, but there were so many 1-0 scorelines initially. I counted about nine consecutive at some point, you know, but look, things certainly turned around halfway in the group stage. And as you've said, there was already so much drama before the actual tournament, you know, with the push and pull of European clubs not wanting to release their players. And frankly, the drama just continued into the tournament, you know, with some of the strangest, most bizarre scenes we've ever seen. You know, a match, for example, being ended before full time. And what we actually realized later was, you know, quite a serious and unfortunate situation. But Steve, we saw an outfield player playing in goal for Comoros. Remember that? <laughs> in the round of 16. Shakir Al-Hadur winning over so many hearts across Africa with what was just a fantastic performance against Cameroon, who just only managed to pip them, you know. What a team Comoros was, you know, an underdog that really set the bar so high. The Gambia you mentioned there, all the way to the quarters in their maiden edition. I mean, who doesn't love a good underdog story? Steve, a highlight for me was the tournament's first female referees, headlined, of course, by Rwandi's superstar, I will say, Salima Mukansanga. And, of course, culminating in what was perhaps one of the biggest moments of poetic justice, at least for the Teranga Lions, you know, that fairy tale ending for Senegal, for LUC, say Steve. This Nations Cup had it all. Wow, it really did. And we'll remember this tournament for a long time to come. And we talked about local coaches on the show last week and a local coach, Aliou Cisse, led Senegal to victory over Egypt's Portuguese coach, Carlos Queiroz. A really great story and we're now getting used to seeing local coaches win it, Ida. We really are, Steve. And look, what a beautiful, beautiful thing it is, I must say. And just to remind the listeners that 15 out of the 24 coaches at this year's AFCON were local. And what was really interesting as well is that right before the tournament, we saw a few countries, you know, sack their expatriate coaches and bring on local ones. You know, we're talking Guinea, Sudan, Nigeria. They all did this, though. For the Super Eagles, well, 
there's been a lot of back and forth, you know, and Agua Vaughan was supposed to be there on an interim basis for the duration of the Afghan and was supposed to be replaced uh, by what the rumor mill was saying was a Portuguese. But it does seem that that has since changed with uh, the Senegal story in particular. Steve Alusi say winning it for me, it's the amount of trust that the federation that the country put in him. For me, there were two main ways of looking at this, Steve. One, many, I think, would have simply run out of patience, especially after the 2019 final loss. And especially once you consider the 2002 final loss as well for Cissé as a player. But Senegal stuck by him. They gave him, frankly, what they as well, you know, made known was Cissé's last chance. And he delivered. And it has been a long, Steve, a long time coming. And might I add, very richly deserved. And as you've said, I mean, we are getting used to seeing the local coaches winning it. Remember, Belmadi won it with Algeria in 2019. Stephen Keshi, of course, won it with uh, Nigeria in 2013 as coach. Uh, becoming one of only two people in the continent to win it as player, then as coach, the other being Egypt's Mahmoud El Gohari. Now, Steve, since the first Afghan in 1957, there have been 33 editions of the tournament. 16 have been won by African coaches. Most notably, there's Charles Kumfi Jamfi of Ghana, and Hassan Shehata of Egypt. Now, they won the trophy three times each with their respective countries. So the Nations Cup's been won by African coaches 16 times, by foreign coaches 17 times, so it's almost level now. Let's go to social media now. And last week we asked her, was this one of the greatest editions of the Africa Cup of Nations? And what were your highlights? Let's start in Cameroon. And Nobosi Stephanie says, yeah, to me, this is my best AFCON so far. Yes, people died, but God has a reason for that. I saw big nations beaten by smaller ones. It's my best AFCON since I started following the tournament in 2010, says Nobosi. Tayong Saratu, also in Cameroon, says, yes, it was the best AFCON ever, and Team Cameroon had an amazing finish. Yeah, they did, winning that third-place playoff against Burkina Faso in a dramatic, exciting match. Donald Mayanin, also in Cameroon, says it was a fantastic tournament with some great upsets and surprise exits of Algeria and Ghana in the group stage. In Sierra Leone, H.E. says yes, it was the best ever. And James Turai, also in Sierra Leone, says it was a very outstanding tournament. Let's go to the Gambia, and righteous boy Ali Baba says, yeah, in my opinion, it's the best AFCON tournament, because this time we saw minnows and debutants like my country, the Gambia, Sierra Leone and Comoros beating the big guns. And Nuha Giba, also in the Gambia, says, I'll say yes, because it was the first time my nation participated, and we surprised the whole world by going as far as the quarterfinals, says Nuha. And Suleiman Van Sanyang, also in the Gambia, says the highlight for me was our fairy tale run all the way to the last eight on our maiden appearance. But not everybody said it was a great tournament. Edo Brown in Nigeria says there was unfair officiating. It was too poor. 
And Bizwek and Jaqwa in Malawi says this is the worst AFCON I've ever watched. And my reason is I saw teams not well prepared. For example, the Senegal-Malawi match wasn't a good game. Senegal, with all their professionals in Europe, struggled to beat Malawi, whose one professional was in South Africa, Gabardino Mango. Uh, this means some teams weren't in high form. Cameroon struggled to beat Comoros, says Bizwek. And look at other teams like Ghana, Mali, Algeria, Ivory Coast and Tunisia. Uh, to me, only Morocco played well, and the final itself wasn't that thriller that we used to watch in the past, says Bizwek. And Mams Kasama says this can't be the greatest AFCON after all the COVID scams with players testing positive before they played against the host nation. But the upsets were exciting, says Mams. Don Abasala in Nigeria says now those who called it a small tournament will eat their words, referring there to the possibly misquoted words of the Liverpool coach Jurgen Klopp. And Basiru Salah has the final word here. Basiru has a great story saying, as for me, being a Gambian with two Senegalese parents, it was the greatest tournament ever. It was so exciting with so many goals, with eight from Vincent Aboubacar. Well taken, brilliant goals were scored, not forgetting the world-class saves made by the goalies. History was made by our beloved tiny West African country, the Gambia, reaching the last eight. It was so exciting. And for Senegal, the waiting is finally over, recording their first AFCON title. I'm so happy to be a Senegambian, says Basiru Sala. Oh, well, that's an amazing situation indeed. Thanks so much for all of those comments and always great to hear from you. Now, with the Africa Cup of Nations finished, we're now getting into other African competition. The group stage of the CAF Champions League and Confederation Cup start this weekend. And from Monday, we have the second and final round of qualifying for the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals. And the FIFA Club World Cup is on in Abu Dhabi. And the African champions Al-Athli of Egypt lost their semi-final match 2-0 to Palmeiras of Brazil. Al-Athli had beaten Monterey of Mexico 1-0 in their first game in the second round. Then I'll play Al-Hilal of Saudi Arabia in the third-place playoff on Saturday. Al-Athli are coached by the South African Pizzo Mossimane. Last year they finished third in the tournament, beating Palmeiras on penalties after a goalless draw. We'll see how they do in the third-place match this time around, but how would you evaluate their performances, Ida? Well, they're certainly consistent, Steve. And remember last year they lost to Bayern Munich in the semis, and I believe as of that time it was their first loss in five months. And look, it came after a really brave fight, you know. Then they beat Palmeiras to finish third, as you've said. And that was actually their best outing at the FIFA Club World Cup since 2006. That was when they also went home with bronze. So, you know, we can see that they are now establishing themselves in the competition. And whereas after 2006, it took 15 years, you know, for them to get to another semifinal, the one last year. After that, it's taken them, what, just a year to get to the same place? So, yes, consistency. Pizzo Musimene, well, he took over Al-Ali in September 2020. And naturally, you know, there were the naysayers who some months later credited his immediate success to the fact that he found the team at a very advanced stage of the CAF Champions League. You know, the team was second, I believe, in the domestic league. And, you know, they doubted if he could get the team the same accolades 
from scratch, you know, but he certainly proved that the next year, didn't he, Steve? I mean, bagging the second CAF Champions League title in as many years. And actually, it was in much less time. It was much less than two years, if you really think about it, you know, owing to how quickly things were moving around because of COVID. So, yes, the Egyptian club is establishing itself. And while the FIFA Club World Cup has always been, you know, frankly, a very controversial tournament with different facets having different opinions, having an African team getting to the latter stages has a good ring to it, I must say. Yes, good going there for Al-Athli and for Pizzo Massimane. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League, as West Ham's Kurt Zuma is at the centre of big controversy for kicking his cat. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, as we reflect on the Africa Cup of Nations, there's no doubt that these tournaments are a big test of character. With thoughts on the best foundation for the biggest challenge, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Elite sportsmen and women face a number of hurdles if they want to succeed at the highest level, win trophies and leave their mark on sporting history. They have first of all to have considerable talent, they need to be prepared to make huge personal sacrifices and work incredibly hard. They need to be brave and resilient, always prepared to bounce back when they experience disappointment, loss of form, or the almost inevitable timeout through injury. They need mental strength to help them keep their focus and continue to believe in themselves. And maybe one of their biggest challenges is to conquer one emotion that can be their downfall, fear. Whether it's a tournament, final, a penalty shootout, or a gold medal race, if an athlete freezes when the pressure is on and expectations are high, they will never give their best. You often hear successful managers praised because they create an environment where the players play without fear. And those who can perform on the world's biggest stages have learned to do that. Fear is something we all have to deal with in life. Fear of failure, fear of pain, fear of the unknown, and few of us can truly say we have never been afraid at times. Now, for followers of Jesus, there is a huge encouragement in the Bible, which says the perfect love that comes from God casts out all fear. That's 1 John 4 verse 18. And the writer of Psalm 56 says, In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. And I'm not afraid. You may not need to take a penalty in a tournament final, but you can have confidence that you are loved and valued by God himself. And that can take you a long way towards dealing with fear in daily life and overcoming it. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. You can read more on this on our website in the blog section. It's called The Best Foundation for the Biggest Challenge. You go to our website, planetsport.tv, and click on the blog section there. 
Right, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK now. Uh, Man City, a routine midweek win over Brentford. At the bottom, a very interesting, Stuart, as a Newcastle have moved out of the relegation zone. Uh, yes, I mean, I think the programme of midweek fixtures this week could prove really significant at the bottom of the table. As you say, Newcastle beating Everton 3-1. And remember that Newcastle had only won one of their first 20 games this season, and now they've won the last two, following a win over Leeds United with a win over Everton. And significantly, not only have Newcastle moved out of the bottom three for the first time since October, but the two clubs they beat, Everton and Leeds, just happened to be the two clubs above them. Burnley came from behind to draw with Manchester United, having drawn at home to Watford last weekend. While Burnley have games in hand, they are bottom of the table, four points behind Newcastle, and Burnley's problem is scoring goals. They've only scored three goals in their last eight games. Now, a quick aside on Manchester United. Uh, That was the eighth time this season that they have led a game and failed to go on to win. Watford are second from bottom, having drawn 0-0 at Burnley. They lost at West Ham. And Watford, incidentally are the first in league history to replace one manager in his 70s, Claudio Ranieri, with another manager in his 70s, Roy Hodgson. Hodgson started his first league manager's job in January 1982, and 40 years later, he's still going. Norwich stay in the bottom three after drawing with Crystal Palace. Norwich scored after 40 seconds and could have gone two up. But then Wilfred Saha equalised with a spectacular goal. Palace got a penalty and Zaha slipped as he was taking the penalty and put it wide. Now, where does that leave us? You could argue that the bottom three, Burnley, Norwich and Watford, look doomed. But equally, Newcastle, Everton, Leeds and even Brentford are all within six points of relegation. This weekend, Everton play Leeds and Newcastle at home to Aston Villa. Vital games for those four clubs as they sit just above the relegation zone. Yeah, still a long way to go, but uh, three points make such a big difference at this stage, doesn't it? So um, Newcastle out of the bottom three. Um, Talking about Manchester United there, Stuart, uh, back to last weekend in the FA Cup fourth round. Uh, A lot of uh, big surprises there. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about that last uh, round about the giant killing in the FA Cup. Uh, And the fourth round, which is the last 32, uh, saw some really embarrassing results. Boreham Wood, from the fifth tier of English football, beat Bournemouth, who are second in the championship. And Boreham Wood's reward is a game in the last 16 away to Everton. What a day out for the players, the supporters, and a game which will generate a lot of money for the club. Two championship clubs beat Premier League clubs. As you say, Middlesbrough beating Manchester United on penalties after a 1-1 draw and Nottingham Forest beating the cup holders Leicester City 4-1. You could say that it was no surprise that Manchester United lost the penalty shootout, as incredibly, in their recent penalty shootouts, they have seen the last 21 penalties taken against them result in goals. Two Premier League clubs only just got away with it. West Ham United, playing away to non-league Kidderminster, were losing for 70 minutes before equalising in the 91st minute. West Ham then scored their winning goal in stoppage time and extra time. So close for the non-league club. 
You know, you could say, though, that Bournemouth and West Ham have only themselves to blame by not picking their strongest team, as clubs tend to do in the FA Cup. Bournemouth were resting nine and West Ham resting eight players as they prioritised the league. Playing Plymouth Argyle, two divisions below them, Chelsea conceded the first goal and only managed to win the game at the end of extra time. That's why we love the FA Cup so much. Really was the FA Cup at its best last weekend. Uh, now, Stuart, when we looked ahead to the Africa Cup of Nations uh, a few weeks ago, you suggested some Premier League players might benefit uh, from a chance to shine at the tournament and to impress their managers. Also, you thought some who didn't go to the AFCON might get a chance to benefit. So how would you say it worked out? Arsenal's Mohamed Elneny played seven games for Egypt and he's only had one Premier League start uh, this season. Similarly, Bertrand Traore... Only one start for Aston Villa, but he played five times for Burkina Faso. And Trezeguet, another Aston Villa player, made seven sub-appearances for Egypt and got a goal. Nambas Mendy, despite having no starts at all for Leicester City this season, was a winner with Senegal, playing five games, including the final. So, without any doubt, their managers will have noticed that and hopefully it will help them. Now, I mentioned three young players. The Tunisians Omar Rekic, who's an Arsenal player, and he started two games for Tunisia. And uh, Hannibal Mepri, a Manchester United player, made two sub-appearances for Tunisia. And Brighton's 20-year-old Ulrich Ella made two sub-appearances for Gabon. And hopefully that again will just catch the eye and the manager and might give them a chance. Sadly, poor old Willy Bolly, Wolves and Ivory Coast, has had no appearances for Wolves this season and he didn't get on the pitch for Ivory Coast either. And now, of those who stayed at home, Pat Sandaka, we mentioned, took advantage of additional game time and scored two goals in the two games he played. Uh, now, Stuart, uh, the story of the week uh, has to be the the bizarre and a disturbing story of West Ham's uh, Kurt Zuma uh, kicking his cat, uh, this uh, being posted on social media and him getting into a, a whole load of trouble. Um, what do you make of this story? Um, yes, of course, we have an African connection as well, because uh, while Zuma is French, his parents are from the Central African Republic. A video emerges of him kicking his cat. The player has apologised, but the matter has been investigated by the police. A number of West Ham supporters have signed a petition demanding that he should not be picked for the team. The club has fined him two weeks' wages and given the money to an animal charity. Adidas have cancelled the player's boot contract. And so it's reckoned that this incident has cost Zuma $400,000. And the authorities have now taken the cats away from him, saying that he's not a suitable person to have cats. Um, We do like animals in the UK. And, uh, you know, there has been a big public reaction. Yes, it's a really controversial story, this one. And asking for your thoughts on social media, uh, what do you think about the Kurt Zuma story after videos emerged of the West Ham defender kicking one of his pet cats? So an animal charity took his two cats away. West Ham gave Zuma the maximum possible fine and Adidas ended their deal with him. Uh, Some have said the issue was dealt with more decisively than incidents of racism in football are. 
Uh, so what do you think about the story? We'd love to hear your thoughts on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What are your thoughts on the Kurt Zuma story? And uh, Stuart, what else have you got for us? Well, last week I talked about the extraordinary game where Brazil playing Ecuador saw Alisson, the Liverpool goalkeeper, shown two red cards and not been sent off. Strange things seem to happen when Ecuador play because a few days later they played another World Cup qualifier um, against Peru and Ayrton Preciado sustained a serious injury and needed to be substituted. The substitute, Diego Palacios, prepared to go on suddenly discovered he didn't have his match shirt on under his jacket. Someone was sent to the changing room to find it. They couldn't find it. it he was delayed going onto the pitch. And as Ecuador played with 10 men, Peru equalised. So quite a bizarre situation. You'd think the player would actually know where his shirt is, wouldn't you? Chelsea have just reached the final of the Club World Cup, meaning that in a space of 23 days, Chelsea will play in five different competitions, the Club World Cup, the Premier League, the FA Cup, the League Cup and the Champions League. Quite a record, really. Uh, has a lot of football and a lot of tournaments. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, before we go, reminder of our question on social media this week. What do you think about the story involving West Ham defender Kurt Zuma, who was filmed kicking and slapping one of his pet cats? Uh, he's got in a lot of trouble for this, but uh, some have said the issue was dealt with more decisively than issues of racism in football are. So what do you make of this one? You can post a comment on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.